Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boantic people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled to welcome to the podcast Gillian Lorem. Gillian is a writer, investigative journalist, adoption advocate, rock and roll wife and mother of two based in Los Angeles in the United States. Gillian grew up in Livingston, New Jersey and graduated from New York Academy in 1991. She then moved to New York City as a 16-year-old where she studied acting at New York University and soon after started exotic dancing at the Kit Kat Club and became an escort. This led to Gillian being selected to join the harem of the Prince of Brunei, where she stayed for 18 months. When Gillian returned from this incredible adventure, she attended Antioch University and graduated with a Masters of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. This saw the beginning of her writing career, with Gillian's work now appearing in the New York Times, Vanity Fair and Los Angeles magazine. Gillian is a New York Times best-selling author of two memoirs, Some Girls, My Life in a Harem, about her experience as the harem girl, and Everything You Ever Wanted, about her journey of adopting her son Taraku from Ethiopia in 2009. Taraku came to the family as an 18-month-old and brought with him intense trauma responses and during the next few years Gillian learned so much about advocating for her child and trusting her own instincts. Gillian and her husband Scott Schreiner, the bass player from Weezer, added to their family in 2015 when they adopted through the US foster system their second son Jovi, who has a history of trauma and abuse and an autism diagnosis. She's also written a fictional novel entitled Pretty and has an upcoming novel based on her personal account of confronting serial killer Samuel Little called Behold the Monster, coming out in 2023. Several of Gillian's manuscripts are being developed into TV and film projects, the most recent being Confronting a Serial Killer, released on Stars. The five-episode series tells the story of the relationship between Gillian and the most prolific serial killer in American history, Sam Little, and Gillian's work to bring out the truth and the identities of the 93 women he murdered before he passes away. This episode contains discussions around infertility, pregnancy loss and miscarriage, childhood trauma, a serial killer, and it does contain a bit of swearing. If you're triggered by anything we discussed today, please reach out for help either to those around you or by seeking assistance online. I've compiled a great collection of international resources if you're looking for a place to start. You can head to the podcast landing page, alisonnewman.net slash podcast. 
The music you'll hear on today's podcast is from my ambient new age music trio, Alemjo, which is comprised of myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband, John. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Gillian. It's a real pleasure to meet you. It is so nice to be here. Yeah, and it's funny, I feel like I kind of um, know, I, I don't know you, but I know so much about you through the memoirs that you've written. Um, how did you first sort of get into writing? Well, I have kept a journal since I was eight. So I always wrote, always. Um, like I had that, you know, muscle in place, but, you know, I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be a director, I wanted to be anything but a writer. And it really took... Um, you know, a journey through some unusual places until I landed where I belong, you know, until I said to myself, like, what is it that has been consistent in my life for all these years? Why do you, you know, think, you, why, why do you think you were sort of pushing back against the writing that you didn't sort of validate it? really hard. Oh, right. <laughs> <on>. Okay. <laughs> it's really hard. You know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to finish. It's hard to start. It's just hard. Yeah. Like if you can possibly choose anything else, choose anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, and being a memoirist, it's you're very you're being very vulnerable, um, which I want to commend you for too, because the things that you're sharing, it you know, people can relate to, and it opens these opportunities for conversations, which are really important. Um, did you find, was that the first sort of style of writing that you went to? Like, I guess, because of your journaling in your diary? No, because I couldn't sell my first novel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's why I wrote the memoir, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I wanted nothing more than to never write that memoir. Yeah. Right. I wanted to never write some girls because I knew, I knew it was sensational, like that it would get bought very yeah. likely, you know, cause I'm not the only woman who was over there, but mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm also a real writer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, there are so many book clubs I go to where they're like, do you write your own book? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the writer of the books. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not like a celebrity with a ghost writer. Um, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But it was really scary. And I knew what I was doing. And I tried very hard to be much more New Yorkery. And that's always, you know, how I saw myself. Yeah. All, like, yeah. You know, at the Algonquin Club or something. And I'm like, okay, given the times. Oh. Um, and, uh, you know, and they were like, mm, nah, 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 nah. And I had just gotten out of graduate school and I started um, librarian school. I started to get my master's in library science because I was starting to think like, you know, I need a plan B. Mm -hmm. And my husband was like, you know, when I said I would support you through graduate school, <laughs> uh, that wasn't like forever of graduate school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, can you tell me what the plan is here? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was like, you know what? Give me three months. 
give me just give me three months. I have this one card left to play. And I talked to my agent, and you know, she's like, I can't sell this. I'm sorry. I love it. I can't sell mm -hmm. it. And I was like, well, you know. I've been thinking of writing a memoir. This really interesting thing happened to me. I was the mistress of the Prince of Brunei when I was a teenager. And she was like, wait, what? Your <laughs> job was on the table, you know? Yeah. She's like, how have you not told me this before? Mm. And I was like, I didn't want to write about it. That's mm. why. Um, yeah. And, you know, and she was like, well, do you genuinely feel like you're ready to write about it now? Like consider all the consequences, consider, you know, what it means to become a memoirist, consider you're going to be the harem girl for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you get to a certain point where you're like, okay, not so bad, not so bad. Harem girl, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I, that was actually a quote from one of the other women who was, um, who was in Brunei with me, who I still keep in touch with. And, yeah. um, you know, she said like, I mean, thank God I did something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, like there not many people could say that they've had a, an exciting experience like that. And it's such an exciting life. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely an element of, of edge pushing to my life, um, you know, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm super curious. I always want to see the things that people aren't looking at. You know, mm. I want, I, 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 I want to see the man behind the curtain. I want to like, you know, just like, I just have the urge to take that kind of bite out of life. And it doesn't always wind you up in the best places, you know? Um, but it has given me some very interesting stories. next memoir that I've read that you wrote was um, Everything You Ever Wanted. Um, can you share with the view, the, sorry, not the viewers, the listeners, <laughs> what that book's about? Everything You Ever Wanted is about uh, the process of adopting my older son. He's 14 now. His name is Teraku. We call him T. Um, and he was adopted from Ethiopia. Um, and before that, we had an extensive history with uh, infertility and that and, and miscarriages, um, a lot of miscarriages. We were just sort of reflecting on it the other day. Now that's so far in the past and like there was a minute up, my period was late and I was just like, oh, like what, what, no, no. <laughs> Oh. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do not have enough nose for this right now. <laughs> and we were just laughing. And, you know, of course, you know, we would have just accepted it as a blessing it was. But, yeah. um, you know, 
whether it was miscarriage or just late period or whatever, like it hadn't happened in years. So mm -hmm. we were reflecting on how painful that journey was. And, you know, now we have teenage boys and it's not painful to me anymore, but yeah. I can remember. Oh, can remember yeah, yeah. Like, and also like your concerns get so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're, they're yeah, out in the like, room. <laughs> you know, trying like listening in with a glass, trying to figure out if he's a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, you yeah. know, and he, wants, and he wants to go to Annapolis. He wants to be like a Navy combat pilot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, good audience. I know. And like, he's a whole person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wrote this book. Every day I sat down and people criticize i'm sure as you know um you know people m women who talk mm. about parenting uh, oh, yeah. or, and write about parenting you know or podcast about parenting make material yeah. about parenting like we're exploiting our children and i'm like you know parenting is as valid an experience you know motherhood is as valid an experience as climbing mount everest or mm anything else or bagging groceries or you know like bukowski worked at the post office so what i was going through was early motherhood mm -hmm. and you know and adoption which was you know really exciting and interesting process and i was dying to write about that mm -hmm. and um and our beautiful like we consider our family that we met during that trip who really changed our life. Um, we were, there were nine mm -hmm. families all together and we really went through something together. Mm -hmm. um, and not to like give any spoilers, but um, for instance, they did our paperwork wrong. So we went through the whole week there in Addis transitioning him out of the orphanage um you know how painful and difficult that was and of course yeah. i have a thousand funny stories about like you know like he's not pooping he's gonna die oh my god <laughs> you know yeah. there were people other people in the house that were already parents so they were <laughs> yeah to us but um uh you know i mean we all still keep in touch yeah, that's great. Um, and when our, they had written your, we were like supposed to adopt a child up to four years old, mm -hmm. like that, you, you know, except they wrote four months old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, the paperwork. So we're standing there like at the embassy I, I, and like, I have like the baby and an ergo. We were like ready to get on a plane the next day. Yeah. Um, there's nowhere to sit. It's just like, there's nowhere to go. Everyone else got their stuff <laughs> and they just kind of like walked away from us. And we were like, what? I mean, I was running around like it was, you know, <laughs> like, like there was like an alarm that nuclear missiles were coming. Like I was like mm, shaking yeah. people there. Like, where did that man go? That man who was right there. Where did that man go? Yeah. Um, 
anyway, uh, so the, the whole group had a chance to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have had just stay there and they come back for us. Cause obviously, we're going to stay there for a long time. And they all stayed with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good people, hey? <laughs> I mean, uh, it was like, it was the most unlikely group of friends. And we all still, you know, love each other. The kids still know each other. It's an incredible yeah. process. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to write about that, those friendships. Um, and then... You know, realizing that T was, you know, had special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been diagnosed and re-diagnosed. Call them what the, you call them a lot of things. You know, diagnoses aren't magic. Mm-hmm. They can just maybe help you communicate with people, right? About what might help, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, basically everything. <laughs> 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 We're like... All right. So for $5,000, you just told us exactly what we already know. Mm. Thank you so much. I'm just, you know, the screening after screening and just learning for me to settle into this, you know, acceptance, which we all do as mothers, but, Mm. um, like I am a very, imaginative <laughs> but in a, a kind way to myself but you know also sort of a controlling person i would like to i would like to like set the diorama stage and you know bring my baby home and have a be i had done all the reading all the everything. yeah yeah you know i had to like mill to do the organic baby food and shit yep. i was canning i I don't know what happened. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but you know what? He didn't give a shit about organically milled anything mm. or canned anything or, you know, and I was like, but I make homemade bread. Mm. Um, and, mm. you know, that wasn't what he wanted or needed. It was, you know, that was my idea yeah do you, of what a kid would want or need do you think that some of that is sort of brought on by what like society expects us mothers to be and the standard that they expect us to hold all ourselves to yeah i mean really i mean not all of it because i'm a little hyperactive myself so <laughs> you know it's like you know scott will say like you know i'll i'm writing an article about tango so i all of a sudden, like, all I'll do is tango for two <laughs> solid months. Like, I'm out every night till two in the morning, yeah. smelling like Argentine gangsters when I come home, you know? <laughs> and um, and mm. then the article came out, and, like, I haven't danced since. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's like I picked up on every, every parenting trend, every one of them, you know? And... In Los Angeles, it's like, I mean, I, I imagine like in most major cities, you find your sort of, you know, you have to find your sort of niche mm-hmm. if you want community to support you. So, you know, we had friends that were into Waldorf. We had friends that were into something called Rye. I don't know if you know what that is, mm-hmm. but it's basically like 
put your babies in an octagon and just like let them work it out let them work their curiosity out okay (laughs) it's a new one for me (laughs) i went to this oh i mean and the baby yoga and the ever and all these kids are like You know, and my kid just gets in there and just wants that toy and bops that kid on the head and takes it. (laughs) And you're supposed to sit there and watch, right? That's like the whole idea of the thing. Like you don't interfere with their their growth or their interaction during the group. Yeah, right. And at some point I was just looking around, I was like, do you guys want me to get my kid? Cause he's gonna hurt your kids. Like, this is yeah. not a principle that works for everyone, mm. you know, yeah. but everyone thinks the thing that not everyone, there are plenty of people who have had m- multiple experiences, you know, mm-hmm. the thing that they find that whatever methodology of parenting or schooling works for them is the only way. And, mm. you know, it's hard for me to explain to them, like, my kid would have been kicked out of a Waldorf school in a week, mm-hmm. you know, and like the French school, <laughs> like wouldn't just already knew they were going to kick him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could, uh... you know, but uh, we are going to kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, so it was about that journey for me. And, um, you know, as all my books are, and people find it hard to be written about, not T, he loves that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on him. But, uh, he, you know, he knows, he knows what happened, you know. And he knows sort of my version of it and he has his version of it and he's really proud of the book and so am I, you know, and that was my goal when I wrote it. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is a gift to my son. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about all the stuff, warts and all, but this is a gift to my son ultimately that, you know, the first like almost three years of his life are really pretty, um, you know, like the major points are pretty well documented in that book and Mm -hmm. i would hope that um you know that that'll be special to him someday when's jovi's book coming i'm like no i'm so done (laughs) 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 no way oh dear you might get an essay like second child syndrome yeah
you've just mentioned Jovi. How old is he now? Ten. Yeah. So he he came to you in a slightly different way. It was through um Right. So we adopted T from Ethiopia when he was mm -hmm. eleven months old. We thought, you know, Ethiopia would be a great choice again because there's so much you know, it's a rich culturally and T's really into it. Mm -hmm. Um and you know there were no more adoptions happening in ethiopia at that time right. i was just going over there and doing kind of grassroots work in um communities uh and 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 orphanages and stuff and, yeah. you know, so i mean that was the best i could do like to be close to his culture but mm -hmm. we adopted jovi out of um the foster care system here mm -hmm. uh dcfs and we had really, we knew that the likelihood of black boys being adopted after the age of two, I mean, the likelihood of black boys being adopted at all, but after the age of two, like, it's almost nothing. Mm. The percentages yeah. are so low. And we had been through so much with T and he was really kind of out the other side of it by then. I mean, he was still like struggling with attention and stuff, but mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't, I mean, now, like I said, you, you would never guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he was, he was like, I'm like, here's the perfect, here's the perfect example. T. <laughs> The minute I open Christmas ornaments for the first time and he looked at them, he just picked one up, just a ball. It looked like a ball. Yeah. And hurled it at the wall. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Like all of a sudden, like tiny shards of really thin glass all over the living room. Yeah. Um, Jovi, we adopted through DCFS because like we felt really moved by that. Mm -hmm. And also we thought like, if not us, then who? Mm. I mean, really we've been through so much. We have these resources, um, you know, like we have resources for another child and we have resources for, you know, therapy. We like know mm -hmm. the best therapist. We, have done all this training and um and it was still so scary yeah, yeah really really scary like scott and i are both you know we both have we're both prayerful people um we don't often pray together mm -hmm. there have been only like a handful of times in our life um and we come from different traditions. So like we pray mm -hmm. differently. Um, but like after the first time we met Jovi and we realized he couldn't really talk, you know, like half his mouth was all rotted out. Yeah. Um, I changed his diapers, still in diapers. Um, I mean, he was wearing a size two, he was three and a half. Mm. Like, there was no hand soap in the house. Yep. He was getting the shit beat out of him by mm -hmm. older kids. Um, and it was really scary. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, and, and we pulled the car over and just like held hands and just prayed for guidance and, and you know, mm. and sat there for a minute together. And he turned and looked to me and he said, you know, someone's got to believe in someone sometime. Yeah. Like, let's believe in this kid. Yep, and sorry, it's making me really emotional. <laughs> That's I know, right. oh, I know. So, you know, sometimes he's such an asshole. <laughs> sometimes he really nails it. Like the times that he yes. nails it, he nails it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was one of them. Someone's got to yeah. believe in someone sometime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and the first months with Jovi for us were like, we would just hold him while he screamed and screamed mm. and like sweat was covering his body. Like he was so slick, like we were yeah. like, we couldn't even hold on to him. Yeah. And, um, you know, he would scream and cry. He would lie under the bed. Like I would just go and kind of lie next to the bed. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just here. Yeah. You know, we don't have to talk. But like, he didn't even have any words. He didn't know a cow said moo. He yeah. didn't know one, two, three, or ABC. You know, so not only is he in this totally unfamiliar environment, doesn't understand why. Mm. Um, I mean, he only now barely understands why. Yeah, like, right. Wrap his head around what happened, you know, the yeah. events of his life that led us here. Mm. And he's only just starting to ask. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was like, I mean, he was always so funny. Yeah. So funny and so adorable. I mean, all these are survival skills, mm -hmm. you know, but he yeah. was the same way, like a big shining bright star. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, you know, in, in traumatic situations for children, they'll often, get really big and they'll they'll be the one that gets the attention mm. or the one that gets more food maybe or the one that you know yeah yeah so uh jovi i'm thinking it really started to turn around for us like three years ago mm -hmm. you know we took him to uh, he had an autism diagnosis. We took him to um, a really specialized preschool that was almost like one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, right. And there were like only five kids in the class. And, um, you know, it was specifically for kids with autism um, yeah. for the most part, you know, or, or symptoms presenting that way. Mm -hmm. And we had to attend with him. Yeah. Like the first six months, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, "You are fucking with me right now." Like, I can't even drop this kid off at autism preschool. Man. Like, what do you do here? <laughs> <laughs> Please, come on, someone, help me. Um, but it was amazing. It totally changed things. He did, you know, he matriculated um, yeah. in kinder and we had a really supportive school, we had a really supportive public charter school who mm -hmm. love the kids and aren't scared. 
Yeah. They're not scared of a diagnosis. They do uh, IEPs, which are individualized education programs. Mm -hmm. If your kid needs, you know, because every kid is supposed to get the education they need. Mm. Um, And uh, so they do their own IEPs. They have great people who work with Joby and he plays a violin and he dances and he knows how to take breaks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he is, he's brilliant. He's working at and above grade level. Yeah. Like he he told me the other day, like, I don't want to be in this baby math class anymore. (laughs) I don't want to be in a baby math class. And school is not necessarily separated by grade all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have like A, B, and C math, and and like they might have kids from different grades and like who are just at that level of math, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I called the school. I was like, we need, can we have a meeting because Joby feels like he's in the baby math class, <laughs> and they're like, Joby, you are the youngest person in your math class. <laughs> Oh, God. you're not in the baby math class and you're not ready for the next one um but what a what a miracle oh I yeah mean, it's it's wonderful isn't it yeah. you know he loves soccer he loves our animals yeah um and the trauma stuff it's all there mm. you know and for both of them it comes yeah. out um at different times, there are different triggers. Like mm-hmm. for Joby, it's a lot of medical stuff, hospitals, yeah. things like that. Like we had to take him to the hospital. He had a really high fever and um, he, he'll get bronchial stuff. Mm-hmm. We had to take him to the hospital recently and they had to take blood. And he, for two days, mm-hmm. was like a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, he just yeah. regressed yeah. so much, you know, and uh, so different things will trigger it um, mm-hmm. and it'll come popping up. But I mean, I don't think about it every minute of every day anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's awesome. I mean, you've, you've been through so much um, and, you know, I think it's like it's a credit to yourself and, and to Scott that you know, you've got so much love to give your children and, you you know, like you said, you've done certain training, like you've learnt how to assist them when they need it. And it's just, it's a joy, like you're experiencing now, you know, the other side of it. And it's wonderful. Oh, it's and awesome. Chevy win his soccer game, even though I, I had to get up at six. To get, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, it, are, are, you're supposed to like, it just being in the all-star team is just parent torture. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, he made all stars. Yay. Yeah, now we have to do this one. <laughs> no, no, I have to like drive an hour at six in the morning oh, on a Sunday. Oh. Um, but um, how old are your kids? Um, so Alex is 14 and Digby's seven. Um, so a bit of a gap, but uh, I can relate to the, uh, the early the, morning school. the same, like similar. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Digby's just started playing tennis and it's the first time we've had any either child play a Saturday morning sport. So we're like, geez, we did well to get out of it for this. Like, now we've got it. Now we're doing it. Yeah. Like, oh. and Scott, like, pulled the curtains at six this morning. I was just like, mm. you know what? Soccer league. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I think about you, soccer league. Yeah. Oh, dear. Now, I know you've, you you said before you started recording, you've been talking a lot about your uh, the serial killers and things, but I, mm-hmm. I sort of, without talking specifically too much about that, but I want to talk about how it's affected you as a mother. Um, it'd be yeah, pretty, pretty I full mean, on. It has been, it has been really hard and I can't say I feel like I have an answer for you mm-hmm. that worked, yeah, you know, yeah. or was totally successful because everyone in my family was affected by me working on that story. Yeah. Um, you know, and it happened like, the, like at the very end of it, when everyone was like, like, this is like enough of this poison mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, even though the work I was doing was so amazing and wonderful and um, gratifying in mm-hmm. terms of the victims, like I was, talking on speakerphone to a serial killer every single day mm-hmm. and then COVID hit and everyone's in the house all the time yeah and so like it's not that big of a house mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it echoes and stuff and like and they know who, they know what I do and they know who I'm talking to it mm-hmm. like I mean team more than Joby yeah you know but T asks and I answer and I say, you know, this is like disturbing, mm. disturbs me. Um, and I love that you're curious because like he'll ask about how they solved the case or something. So mm-hmm. I love that you're curious. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. But like, also, do you want to talk about how it makes you feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mom, I talk about how it makes me feel. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Um, but you know, he's like, he's like junior detective. So like, he'll Mm. get into the, um, you know, he's a really good linear critical thinker. Mm -hmm. So like, he'll get into the, uh, like the stories of the leads and stuff with me, but, um, really, you know, it, it, it affected the most because I wasn't around Mm -hmm. the, piece that involved a lot of traveling and it was just also a piece that involved like me working 12 to 14 hours a day so Mm. I wasn't around and I was like an on hyper vigilance Mm. getting these calls from a serial killer every day yeah 
Um, and, you know, which was both for audio content, for the documentary and stuff, but was mostly, um, you know, to have a record of the kind of details I was getting from him to give to law enforcement. Mm, yeah. Um, cause like I worked very closely with law enforcement during the Sam Little case. Cause like I had his ear, you know, mm, yeah. or he had my ear or any, in any case. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't around a lot. I was, when I look back, I can see it more than I saw then that like my anger was coming out. Yeah. Right. You know, because like they can deal with sadness. Mm -hmm. They understand like if I'm up here crying, they don't mommy cries like, they, yeah. it's like a joke mommy cries right like yeah. it, like if there's ever a scene in a movie that's sad like like i mean don't even talk to me about moana okay oh. moana has like four huge cry moments frozen <laughs> <laughs> oh, has like two and you get over them fast but moana <laughs> oh, um so they'll be like, are you crying? Are you crying? Uh, but I think I was, I was angry, mm. yeah. you know, and that was coming out in a way that I am you know, from New York. I'm sarcastic. I, you know, if you have dinner with my family, you are going to have to like raise your decibel level, you know, <laughs> to get heard. Um, you know, and like we razz each other all the time. And it just, you know, it's, it's, it's an East coast thing. It's just, it's just how my family is, you mm. know? Um, oh, do you want to know my biggest parenting tip? Mm. Family? Yeah. Here you go. You want to know how to get your kids to not swear? Mm. Swear all the time. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it. Yeah, my right. friend Ann Brown, who's also who is a parenting counselor, um, says the same thing. She has a really filthy mouth. <laughs> you know, like fuck was every other word yeah. in my house. So, you know, I'm like, sorry, mommy's not gonna go changing entirely. No, <laughs> you know, like Eliza's parents don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am funny. <laughs> Oh, do you? Do they don't? <laughs> <laughs>
There were 93 confessions. Like, it's hard enough to deal with one murder. Oh, that's just, you can't fathom that. I have that, to, like, you? sort through this. I mean, I had 40 notebooks. It was crazy-making. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what I didn't have was that tiny bit of extra space. Mm -hmm. Like, that was there for a really long time that could always, like make a beautiful dinner, you know, and mm. just like reconnect or sit and watch a movie with Jovi or play cards or something. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I wound up just like shoveling soup into my mouth in front of the computer for, you know, I mean, years. Mm. Yeah. So we're just sort of trying to get a routine back here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I do want to sort of shine a light on the work that you've done. It didn't commend you for that, and thank you for that um, because it's such important work. And obviously, the families of of the women would be incredibly grateful um, for the work that you've done. I mean, I I, I know that. Yeah. Um, I you know I I know them. I mean, not you know there were a few victims into which I did a really deep dive and then a few victims that I helped solve the cases. Yeah. Um, and one I saw from top to bottom, I figured out it was in a different jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and with that, I was able to find some articles that looked like they matched and then I went to the place and it was exactly what Sam described and, um, you know, and, and I was, and that was Alice. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really close with Alice's family. Um, they came to town, her sister came to town uh, with her two nieces. And, mm. you know, they, they took me out to lunch and, um, you know, like they said that until they realized, like until I called them and told them you know, and I do it very, very slowly. Like mm. the name of your sisters come up in some of my research, you know, and mm. um, would you like to know anything about it? And then I'll, you know, I'll just yeah. so like, I'll give them a ch chance to say, no, I don't want to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And it's not I, like you just you know, blurt it all out. And even with, with Debbie, with Alice's sister, um, you know, she asked for a couple of days, and mm. uh, and as a journalist, you're like, you know, <laughs> you want to like, you just have this instinct and this training to like never walk away. You walk away and give someone a couple of days, mm. they're they're gonna decide not to talk to you. Yeah, that's it. You gotta get yeah. it right then. If you let anyone think about it, they're not yeah. gonna do it. She actually called me back and was like, okay, like, I'm ready to talk about this. I talked about it with my kids, talked about it with my husband. Mm. Like, I'd like to hear everything you have. Uh, I'm a member of the military and I'm, I have a very strong backbone and, you know, mm. tell me everything. Yeah. And, uh, and she's just remarkable. And then, um, Denise Brothers, um, I went to Odessa, Texas, just like drove there on my mm -hmm. own. And, um, you know, and her family like welcomed me into their kitchen and showed me their 
pictures and oh. love letters and yeah. um, you know Audrey Nelson's daughter and I do think that my kids understand I mean regardless of you know Sam Little not being the last project of my life you know mm. I'm gonna move on yeah. but I will stay in this field yeah. um, and yeah. be continuing to find missing persons and mm-hmm. you know just get it out there as much as I can and restore names to women who have been lost. Yeah. Oh, good on you. Um, in the justice awesome. system, et cetera. Yeah. Um, with so, that, you know, they're going to, they're going to have to get behind it. Is it, do you find that it's important that your children see you as more than, and I put air quotes, as just mum, because we're never just mum, but that you're also contributing so much um, with your work that you're doing and your writing and your investigation? I imagine that their feelings about it are going to change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, Joby will say things like, you're always working. Mm. You know, it like made me feel horrible. Um I don't know what they'll think. And I don't think it's, I think it's important that your kids see that you're leading a meaningful and engaged life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no such thing as just mom. Um, you know, if you are meaningful and engaged and your primary, um, you know, your primary activity is taking care of your children, you know, then I think that that would be wonderful and nurturing. And at the same time, um, that's not me. I was never going to give up my career, Mm. you know? And uh, like T asked me a few days ago, because I was like all ooh uh, over their baby pictures. I don't know why there was some out, you know, (laughs) and there's both the cutest thing in the world. Um, and, and, you know, of course, like all kids, they always want to hear about how cute they were when they were babies and when the funny things they said, and, you know, they love their own mythologies. And he said, well, uh, you know, did you like it better? Oh, we got a new puppy. And he said, did you like it better having a baby or having a teenager? And I said, having a teenager. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. You know? And he was like, what? 
Like, how would you say, like, I, I, I guess I, I was supposed to say, you know, I love him all, like, all those years, but I didn't, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I like them. I mean, it's not like I like them more now. I just like my life more now that they consider a restaurant. Yeah. Right, like our life as a family more now. We went to a friend of mine's, um, B'nai Mitzvah, the mm -hmm. other day, and they were able to sit through the whole ceremony, and I almost, you could have knocked me over with a feather, you <laughs> yeah. know? And, and they're both, like, into their things, and they're super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I don't have to, you know, be the party clown all day long. <laughs> my mother never understood like this parenting generation at all she was like what are you doing what are you talking about because i was like no i gotta go to this group and that group and this group and that group she's like can't you just get him a choo-choo and like put him in a playpen i mean <laughs> like what yeah Go have a Virginia Slim and have a bottle of red wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like, um, but she's yeah. just like, you're all nuts. <laughs> you know, I went, yeah. but then, but then again, you know, I did go and walk the route that I used to walk to school last mm -hmm. time I was home. And I was like, were you trying to get me killed? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lonely path through a dark wood. Oh, no God. joke. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, um, you know, it's got to be something in between, you know. But mm. um, that seems, yeah, that balance. You know, now, now that they're into their own things, um, I mean, of course, you know, I love babies. I love baby smell. I love other people's babies. I love my grandbabies, hopefully one day. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's but nice. I, that... I told him the truth and it was like, yeah. was just, you're so horrible. How could you say that? Like yeah. you're a whole person now and I really like you. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with being honest with your children. Like, you know, we don't have to sugarcoat everything and make, you know, plea people please. And I don't know, just can be honest with them and... <laughs> Our life's great now, you know, like you'd be happy yeah, about yeah. that. I think that, you know, at the same time, I like to try and be conscious of, you know, I mean, maybe like the totally honest me is, is not the me my kids need. Yeah. Like they need a mitigated me. Like, so does everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Like, mm. no one wants me like full force um <laughs> but you know they definitely bring like a consciousness to how i talk you know and like i know i know that when i do it right and don't like you know shame scream and all that stuff um when I do it right and like, you know, have a conversation, I mean, there have been times like it actually worked recently. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you're gonna have to learn to put your clothes away. I like, I'm not like, I would, they will sit here in a pile until you do like, you want to go to the Navy mm. 
And by the way, get up and do some push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, geez. Put your clothes away. So yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds very similar to my son. He's wants to be in the army, but never makes his bed or <laughs> picks up yeah. his clothes either. <laughs> like, hang on a sec, that's not gonna cut it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think, you know, I I think that he's been starting to be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Like thinking about his future a little bit. That's been the biggest difference this year. He's 14, you know, and I've been like, listen, I need you to hear me because you're like college this and college that when I'm in college. And I was like, college isn't, doesn't happen magically. Mm. Um, and we can't pay mm. for a private college for two children for four years. That- yeah like who can who can yeah right so i was like we're gonna have to think creatively you know i don't want you in debt for the rest of your life either Mm. you know so let's start to really think about this you know what scores do you need to get into what schools and um and then you know and all he wants is airplanes 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 (laughs) and just like one day i was like about the Air Force Academy. And he was just like, huh? <laughs> like I was looking for a, a ROTC program, which is like where they start doing like some military training when they're still in high school, like yeah. Boy Scouts, but soldiers. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, huh? So then he got all into that. And then mm-hmm. You know, uh, I started finding out about the Navy pilots in Annapolis, and then, you know, we watched Top Gun, too. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we called my friend who was a pilot, and and he said, you know, is there such a thing? Is there really such a thing as Top Gun? And my friend was like, there absolutely is. It's not called that. It's called like the flight defense, blah, 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 some stupid thing. Like somebody in Hollywood came up with Top Gun, okay? <laughs> but it isn't an absolutely real thing. And he said, but you're not going to get into it. It's like the top 1% of flyers in the country. And, you know, it's like getting into Harvard or mm. like, you know, becoming president or something. I mean, it's not, you know, quite that hard, but, you know, he's, <laughs> but it's like getting into Harvard. It's like something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the likelihood is you won't get it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know, and they talked more and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we were just talking. I was like, so how does that make you feel? You know, when he says it's impossible. And, uh, and he was like, mm, I don't know. Um, I was like, because when someone tells me something's impossible, it kind of makes me feel like proving them wrong. Hmm. And I just watched his eyes light up, you know? <laughs> and, oh, no, this is what my friend said. It's like pitching for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, right. Or, or, or like joining the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you know what? You, you're 14. We know you're not pitching for the Dodgers. Sorry. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're a very good pitcher, <laughs> but you're not pitching for the Dodgers, you know, and you're not in the NBA either. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, 
but we don't know what if you're if you are going to be in the NBA of flyers mm. of pilots <laughs> like you very well could be like the the amount of time he puts in on the flight simulator and I was like so I mean we could have a lot of different plans but if that's what you want to do let's go for it mm. you know <laughs> so oh that's awesome <laughs> it's so fun you know and then to have him be like yeah mm. I'm gonna be the dodger pictures of <laughs> combat pilots oh um, good on him i know oh. so it's really thrilling it's really fun yeah. i try not to get like too excited though or like show it about anything they're into mm -hmm. you know because moms are not cool by their nature <laughs> we don't want to embarrass them <laughs> tell me what you think like this generation of kids are really different mm. from me like when my yeah. parents were 35 they were old people yeah. <laughs> like they were total grown-ups yeah you know who like stockbroker housewife dinner parties grown-ups yeah. the kids were like you know listen to them <laughs> from the upstairs um yeah. and uh like and and there was this combativeness between you know like you make yourself like ugly in punk rock clothes or listening to punk rock music or um my parents really had a problem with that like why mm, yeah it seems like such such a tiny thing to sacrifice a relationship with your child for mm. um but they were just raised by different people um but like yeah. our our friends our group of friends and our kids like all hang out together mm. yeah like, yeah it's definitely different like i i remember the same thing like mum and dad would have they had we had a passage door that sort of divided mm -hmm. the living area and the bedrooms and that would whenever we went to bed that would always be shut and we'd hear the the they'd be out there with their friends and we could we'd sneak to the door and listen uh, you know it's just i feel like like us our our parenting styles have changed so much that we include our children in so much more now and i think that also allows us to i don't know 
I don't want to say not grow up because we, you know, we physically grow up, but we, we're still ourselves. We have, we don't have to take on this role of the big serious parent that, you know, blah, so blah, blah. True, you yeah. know, and, and that's just also not me. Like, oh, yeah. it's not me either. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I mean, you know, until I was doing some really serious journalism and traveling like to the deep South and stuff. And I took my hair back, you know, I had blue hair till just a few years ago, you know, yeah. And me and T would like be on the road and and get our hair done together and matching blue hair. And it was just oh, like, you know awesome. how fun. And also like, we don't listen to all that much different music than they do. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. Like we're into superhero movies. Um, I love Star Wars. Star Wars is like number one in our house. And that's driven are, by me. We are Mar <laughs> we are Marvel Marvel Universe here. Yeah, right. Yeah. All about Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are like, we already have tickets for Black Panther opening. Oh, We're awesome. like ready to go. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's like we're not that I mean now, you know, T likes to just talk to his friends on the phone. Mm. Actually, one of his friends is gonna show up any minute. But yeah. um Nice to talk to his friends, you know, and just on his iPad and stuff. I mean, he could do it all day long. <laughs> um, so it's not like he wants to hang around us all the time. But like, um, we had a couple Nerf wars lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, my husband is a veteran, and a lot of our friends are also veterans, so they yeah. are extraordinarily serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh about God. like organizing the teams and you had to like each have a little you know space and you gotta go get the flag yeah. and get back and if you get hit twice whatever yeah yeah um you know but like they wanted the parents to play yeah last yeah. the last birthday party we went to parents played kids and kickball yep yeah, and it's great uh, isn't it <laughs> it's just great <laughs> it's yeah. just great yeah. yeah it's like you know, like parents versus kids. Like, I don't think, I mean, I, when I was 14, are you kidding? Mm. Like, yeah, there would be just no way. A, <laughs> we hated them and B, <laughs> they wouldn't play kickball. Are you kidding? <laughs> we were like busy smoking at the mall. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's good. It's great. I'm so pleased. Like, I feel like I've got a really good relationship with my 14 year old. Like he, you know, we're very close and it it's really good. And I hope it stays that way as he gets older. For me, it goes up and down. Yeah. You know, my 14 year old and I have always, we're both stubborn and we come to blows for sure. I'm not actual blows, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we, we let's say lock horns mm. a lot yeah um uh and so you know it, it's been kind of up and down mm. but right now i'm just enjoying them a lot yeah and That's i'm really awesome. proud of them and they're trying you know we've been just sort of talking about how you know we all need help mm. it's you know? it? and yeah. they're old enough now to like participate you know they're not babies like they don't need to be taken care of every single second of every day and you mm. know and that we're all participating in this house and this life and 
we have to like act politely toward each other and um you know not have to be asked seven times to put on your shoes or to go to bed or to like it's just yeah. it's time for that all to stop now yeah like, you can <laughs> i can relate to that now, so much <laughs> you know and put in the laundry away and all this, you know it's mm -hmm. just time yeah. And like we, we took Jovi to a soccer game this morning and mm -hmm. um, left T home alone. Yep. And I was just like, what? And Scott was like, he's 14. He's fine. He'll wake up, make his breakfast. He knows where we're going. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll be back in two hours. Yep. And I was like, I got it. I guess I was babysitting when I was 12. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. You know? so i think they're like the kids are kind of younger now too yeah i mean yeah. At oh least yeah this little group in this little school mm. i'm very thankful for yeah i told t that i uh i left home and went to college when i was 16. i did and uh and he's like that doesn't sound like a very good idea <laughs> <laughs> oh man I was like, you know what? You are exactly correct. That was not a very good idea. <laughs> oh no, he said, where was it? And yeah. I was like, it's it was in New York. It was in, in Greenwich Village in New York. And he was like, you were living in New York when you were 16? <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very good idea. Oh. <sighs> and I was like, yeah, you know why? Because, and I told him I sneak out of the house and take the bus into New York. Mm -hmm. I was like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you like you're like i want to go to a concert dad gets on the phone with his manager yeah. and you're you know all of a sudden guys. it's expensive yeah. a box you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> oh, so geez. yeah no i you really don't have any reason to yeah. get out of the house yeah On that, but I can't let you go without mentioning, you've mentioned Scott a few times and his connection to yeah. music, that he's um, the bass player for Weezer. And full disclosure, I'm a massive Weezer fan. I've got my little Weezer ah. pin for the fan club. Um, and I've seen them seen them twice. They've come to Australia a couple of times. But my, I've got to share with you my funniest Weezer story was when they first came out, I think it was 96 or 97. And I just started going out with like my husband. We, obviously, we weren't married then. And um, Weezer were playing in Adelaide, which is five hours drive from here. And I said to him, I really want to go see this band. They're my favourite band. Like the Sweater song was out. It was the Blue Album era. And uh, he said, oh, you know, um, if they're, they're a big band, they, they'll come back again soon. You know, we'll go next time, you know. 
Anyway, 14 years later, I waited 14 years to see them play in Melbourne. And I'm like, I know, I know. Scott said the same thing that they hadn't been to us forever. I wanted to go so badly. And it was actually like one of the times that he was like, you know, I'd like to stay here a little longer. Like there's beach, there's some beach that's supposed to be like really cool. Is this Sydney or like Bondi Beach in Sydney? maybe yeah 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 that sounds right yeah and he's like i just want to go like stay there for i was like do please you know yeah. but but it was like too long of a flight for t at that time yeah now he yeah. flies everywhere yeah because i was gonna say i saw on your socials that he went on the last tour um he goes with the band everywhere. yeah that's so great you know, i stay home with jovi yeah and it's perfect kind of for now you know mm-hmm. like i can go and fly to the shows in like major cities that we want to see or mm-hmm. but like I I have my own career I've taken two kids on tour yeah <laughs> full bus tour yeah like three times mm-hmm. like two months of living on a bus no. <laughs> and I was just like <laughs> I'm gonna like put out a shingle and start telling fortunes or something like I <laughs> I can't oh, do this anymore. No, no. Um, You've done the hard work. Like schlepping, like you know, be less schlepping now because they're older. But the mm. schlepping of the baby crap. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's the worst part. Yeah. That's why I hate the beach. Yeah. <laughs> There is so much stuff. There is so much stuff. Yeah, I can so relate much to that. Crap. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you have to date the car seat. Mm. Yeah, put the car seat in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to consider. Bless you, all yes. new mothers out there. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's something I don't miss, I tell you. Yes. Oh, well, dear. I don't either. But then, you know, I look at the baby pictures and I go, I'm a monster. How could I feel this way about these perfect mm. angels? Mm. Um, yeah. Nah. Look, I oh, thank you so much for coming on, Gillian. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And, and, I- and you too. And I um, would be happy to be in touch again. Oh, thank you. And um, just before you go, do you want to share, is it, you've got a, your books coming out my book, Behold the Monster, mm-hmm. is coming out uh, another thing next July. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also a documentary called Confronting a Serial Killer that's streaming on most major networks right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about me. <clears throat> like, it's uh, limited, you know, five one-hour episodes directed by Joe Berlinger. Um, and it's just about... Uh, my relationship with Sam and, and solving some of the cases. Mm. Um, and I'm super excited for the book. Yeah. And um, I'll be around talking a lot about crime. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, strangely enough, you know, even moms have interests <laughs> beyond macaroni that. collages. Yes. Good so one. That's there are a, a lot that's of moms awesome. who are true crime fans. Yeah. And we're just like, this part is relaxing. Are you kidding? Turn on the Dahmer documentary. 
Okay. So, uh, my website, mm-hmm. JillianLauren.com. You can find everything there. I'm on Instagram at JillianLauren. I'm on TikTok. Don't even ask. They talked me into it. It's kind of fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't gotten like, there yet. No, you, you don't. You have to do this, Mom. <laughs> like, you have to do this. Or you're just not anything. <laughs> <laughs> Get with or the time. Not. <laughs> you're not oh. going anywhere mom so you don't do tiktok you don't do tiktok oh dear um, you know but uh, anyway just jillianlauren.com everything's there and pre-order yeah. the book it's great yeah uh, thank you so much and all the best and yeah i'd love to chat again one day and yeah keep doing what you're doing and and say hi to scott for me <laughs> i will yes and go see weezer yes go see weezer everybody <laughs> thanks for your company today If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.